Web Bandits podcast. This is officially going to be episode three, but we have a really strange sort of convergence of time and space here where this episode is actually being recorded after episode six. There's a good reason for this, at least I think it's good. The Wet Bandits are playing a little event called the Celebration at the Station in Hilliard, a little Columbus suburb here for those outside of town, uh, this Thursday. And we really wanted to get a, have a chance to talk to the promoter from that event. His name's Derek DuPont. We'll have him on in a little bit. But I wanted to squeeze that episode in, uh, you know, get him on, on the phone here and talk to him. And I wanted to squeeze that episode in before we actually played the event. So it only made sense to sort of push out all the other episodes that have been recorded back a week and get this one in here as, quote, in air quotes, episode three. So the next few episodes after that, for instance, the very next episode next week, I'll be talking with uh, Brad Niekamp from the Coldwater Community Picnic, and we'll be talking about episode three, even though it's episode four. So if you haven't gone cross-eyed yet, just rewind, listen again, it'll all make sense to you. This is going to be a little bit shorter episode. Not We're not going to review an album. I kind of had to get Derek in here so with relatively short prep time for him, so I'm just going to ask him a few questions and, and wrap it up from there. Before we go too much further, I have to give a shout out to the social medias like I always forget to do. You can find us at wetbanditsband.com. That's our website. The Facebook is wetbanditsband. Facebook.com slash wetbanditsband. The Twitter and Instagram handle are the same. Wetbanditsband. That's where you can find us. The podcast shares the same page with our band page. So you can find all our events there as well as our postings about the podcast that I usually put up early in the week. So like I said, what we have on tap for today is Derek DuPont, who if you're not familiar with the name around Columbus, he does a ton of stuff. I don't I actually don't know what his current what he would consider his main gig to be. He hired us through his event promotion company, The Wild Path. They're the people who are helping the city of Hilliard put on celebration at the station. But he's also he was also the music director for the the Independence Day Festival. If you're familiar with that in the Columbus area, pretty big deal. They just had their last event last year. Um, I'm going to ask him about that. Of course, uh, he's also the head. There's a question mark after that. The, the head of the Columbus Songwriters Association. So. Lots of his hand is in a lot of musical things in the Columbus area, so it'll be really cool to talk to him. I we're also gonna finish the episode with a little bit. I'm gonna call same song or not the same song. Hopefully that will be entertaining, but you never know. We could post it and it'll totally bomb, and you'll never hear of it again. But hopefully it'll be fun. One thing before we get on the phone with Derek. One thing. I have to bring up, because I'm going to ask him about this, it just sort of, again, a nice, funny coincidence that happened. The Sticky Bandits, which is what we call ourselves when we're not the full band, this uh, weekend it was going to be uh, myself on guitar, Josh singing and playing guitar, and Sam with a smaller version uh, of his drum kit playing at The Goat in Dublin. And... This is this kind of thing happens a lot, but it never happens just perfectly like this. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna set it up a little bit. 
Most people understand that when there are outdoor venues, you have weather concerns, especially in the Midwest. So a lot of times, people who maybe aren't uh, affiliated with the band in any way, or people who are not necessarily promoters but are hiring us, say for private parties or whatever, and maybe aren't as familiar with how the process works, a lot of times their major question is, what do we do in the event of inclement weather? And that's, a, that's something that I wonder about as the guy who books the band, too. It's something that I have to pay attention to. But it's also, you know, it so rarely becomes an issue. And, and more often than not, it's, it's the kind of thing that you're not going to do write anything about in a contract anyway. And I'll explain that in a second, too. But, but this weekend was like the perfect storm, pun intended, to, to make this a relevant topic. So... Here's here's how it happens, right? If you if you live in the Columbus area, you know that we had some pretty bad storms on Saturday in the evening. We're we're heading out to play in at the Goat in Dublin, and the rain just starts coming down. Big lightning, big thunder, real bad storm. We're scheduled to play at eight. I arrive at the Goat at about six forty-five, which is about as much time as I would more time than I would ever need to set up the sound equipment for for an event that's, you know, an hour and fifteen minutes after I get there. But it's raining cats and dogs. And like I said, I have plenty of time. So I decide I'm just going to sit in my car and wait for the rain to go by a little bit. I, I had a tarp with me, but honestly, with that much rain, it, I wasn't going to be able to save the equipment to my liking even with a tarp. I wasn't going to wrap speakers one at a time and carry them in. So I, I figured I'd just wait it out. Like I said, plenty of time, no big deal. I had already called the venue ahead of time. We were supposed to play on the, the pool patio, but I'd called the venue ahead of time. They're totally cool with us playing inside. It was definitely going to be an inside kind of gig. So I, I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting for, waiting for the rain to go by, and I pull up AccuWeather, and it looks pretty bad for the next two hours with maybe a little break around 7.15, so 45 minutes before the event is supposed to start. Again, plenty of time. So that time rolls around. By, by 7.15, Josh and Sam have arrived too, and we're calling each other on the phone because we don't want to get drenched. And we decide that we'll wait it out. And sure enough, about 7.20, the rain lightens up a little bit. Not say, not so light that I feel like the equipment is safe. But like I said, Josh had a couple towels. So that, that was good enough for the time being. I had an extra shirt in the car. So I, swipped, I swapped shirts we unloaded our cars in our bare feet so our socks and shoes didn't get soaking wet because it was torrential uh, downpour right before that. So there are puddles everywhere. Like We're trying to stay dry as possible so we're not miserable at the show and save the equipment. So we're like shoeless hillbillies <laughs> going in and out of the goat and just leaving our equipment in the doorway. We'll, you know, we'll say it takes five trips to get in and... Josh and Sam belly up to the bar once they get the, the last of their stuff, and I have like one more trip to make. So I go out, bring that stuff in, set it down, and it's clear that the TVs have gone out. 
so I walk up to Sam and Josh and they're, oh my gosh, man, what is this? And it's not just the TVs that are out, all the power is out in the GOAT. So obviously, unless they can flip this thing and get it going right away, the gig's not going to happen on time. Not our fault. No big deal. We'll, we'll just wait until they're ready. We'll, we'll start setting up and we'll be ready to go as soon as the power comes back on. Well, without all the gory details, about 20 minutes go by and the goat just shuts the bar down. So there's definitely not a gig happening at all now. And this is where we get to the sort of dicey scenario for the band, right? The gig is not happening. They're closing the bar. We've already moved the equipment in. And at that point, we're saying, how are we going to get paid for this? We, <laughs> we didn't play a note, right? So we understand that certainly the bar didn't get what they were looking for. You know, they're not getting what they paid for. But at the same time, we're not loading in our equipment for free. The story might might have even been different had we not loaded everything in. And, and I'm not here to, I wouldn't nitpick with a bar owner about this situation, but, and, and in fact, I think just the fact that we got out there with the equipment is probably enough. And even to backtrack a little further, most bar owners, if they see, if, especially for outdoor venues, if they see that the weather's going to be bad, they're canceling a couple hours early because they know that we're headed out there 90 minutes before the show starts. So the fact that the gig was canceled after we were there would indicate to the band that we deserve some sort of pay and some sort of just, you know, we made a good faith effort to make this event happen. Well, Throwing a wrench in the spokes is the fact that the the promote promoter is the wrong word. The person that hires or hires out bands for the goat is separate from the brick and mortar quote unquote goat locations, and he's out of the country. So no, nobody knows if we're supposed if we're going to get paid and how much we're going to get paid. And the the other question that comes up when I often you know, tell, again, friends and family members or, you know, people who uh, don't hire bands often or that aren't in this business, the, the easy answer for them is to say, well, don't you have a contract with them? Or if I'm explaining why we're, we feel like we're getting slighted in a certain situation, they'll say, well, why didn't you have a contract with them? Well, it's, it's really pretty simple from my end. And again, I'm going to ask Derek's opinion and see what he thinks. But the type of thing that we're playing in Hilliard this week, that's a, a, a one-off sort of festival deal. That they're, they're doing it weekly, but same, same thing. It's not like they're a bar that is booking 90 dates a year. This is you know just five dates or, or whatever through the summer. But the GOAT is hiring, hiring bands on a weekly basis, we'll say. And what, what really is their incentive to hire a band that's going to force them into a contract situation to, to make them pay, say, full price for if the power goes out? That's something that happens so rarely that you, most bar owners, and I would not blame them for this, because if, if the roles were reversed, it would annoy me as well. Are, are, do we really want to work into the language of a contract that we're putting in with just a bar owner 
hey, if the power goes out, we want to make sure we get paid. There are so many different scenarios that you would have to work in there. And it's a headache. And they have better things to do and we have better things to do than, than outline all of that in a contract. And, and let's go... I, I can understand someone saying, well, that's just being lazy. And on both ends, you know, all the bands being lazy for not doing their due diligence. And, you know, a bar owner should want to make sure their bands are professional and make sure that, uh, that the, the band is very businesslike. Like it, it makes the band come off as, as a little bit more professional. And all I can say to that is that now that I've been doing this, I've been involved in bands for a that make some money, I should say, for, for about 10 years now and, and booking bands for, for five, all I can say is that the, the headache and the sort of combative nature of the relationship sometimes between bands that are just getting hired on and a bar owner, it, it, it's not worth that risk, right? Most of the, most of these venues, if I'm cold calling them, I, if I have no relationship with the bar owner ahead of time, uh, they're taking my word for it that that we're going to be good. That they don't, ha especially when we started out. You know, we didn't have any references. We didn't have a professional demo to put together. And and most most of those bar owners aren't going to listen to it anyway, because again, they they don't have time for that. So, what incentive do they have? To, to choose to hire a band who's going to make them read through a contract <laughs> and, and that has multiple stipulations based on all the possible reasons they might uh, not be able to play a gig. It's just not, it, it's not the way that the business seems to work for, for, from what I can tell when you're hiring bands uh, to play in bars. Like I said, it, when, when we play, we're playing the Powell Festival, not this weekend, but the next weekend, celebration at the station this coming Thursday. It's just, it, it, that is a totally different situation. And the, the Powell Festival, for example, sent me a contract that was like 10 pages long. So that's, that's totally different. But with this scenario with the GOAT, we, we still don't know if we're going to get paid anything or not. So I'm going to ask Derek here in a second, and hopefully he'll uh, tell me what I want to hear and say that that bar owner should pay us full full price for the gig. <laughs> not that he'll have the final say, but I'll just want some justification for my feelings about it. So let's go ahead and bring him on here. Hey, Derek. It's Mike from the Wet Bandits. How's it going? Hey, Mike. How are you? Good, Good. man. You have a minute? Yes, sir. That's cool. Perfect. Cool. Um, well, we're rolling right now. I just like to just come in guns blazing, like not let anybody have a warm up or anything. So, <laughs> so, All right. Sounds so, good. I'm down. Cool. <laughs> um, so let's get right into it. Uh, I know that what I prepped you with was the three jobs that are easy to find on the Wild Path website under your bio where you're listed as the gold hearted captain. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, that, yeah. that, that was a favorite of mine. Uh, do you mind if do we do you mind if we talk about the Independence Day Festival first? Actually, even though I mentioned it last. Yeah, yeah, we can start with the light topic. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, you know, I, I can tell. I think a little bit that you're you're joking, um, but but really, for for me, like I like I mentioned to you, I don't really know any of the reasons why that the. 
2017 year was the last year or what the background is on that. And maybe you don't want to get into it, but, um, if you have any insight, um, I'd be curious. Yeah, for sure. No, I definitely can get into it. It's, you know, there's nothing, no hard feelings on any parts or anything. It's, um, it's just, it, while I say that, you know, that, um, a light topic, it's, it's, it's something that the festival brought a lot to this city that it added a lot of value to a lot of, um, art and music and community that wasn't there before. Um, it brought people together in a really unique way, and it just created an outlet for people that just hadn't existed. Um, so it's, it was something where when we decided we were going to stop doing it the last year, um, it, was, it was sad for a lot of people, including us on the board. Um, it, was, it was just something that people had put a lot of heart into and really counted on every year. So it was, it was very sad. It was a hard decision. But yeah, so a little bit of background on why we kind of came to that decision. Um, so for one, when the festival was started uh, 10 years ago, so yeah, that was the last year, it was the 10th year, so when it started like 10 years ago, um, it was, it was, the idea was to really bring value to art and community, which has always been the idea. Um, it's always been to just inspire creativity and really independence, which is why, where its name came from, it was sure. to celebrate independent art and just creativity. And it had always been that, um, but in the last three or four years after we moved to Franklinton from being down on Gay Street downtown, it grew into a huge festival that was, it was just almost out of control how big this thing yeah. got. Yes. <laughs> and I'm sure, you, you know, if you've been there before, you've yeah. seen just, it's just, it's massive. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the year before last was the biggest year we'd ever had. Um, and speaking as the music director for the festival, we had seven stages. Um, we had over 120 bands over the course of two days. <sighs> Yeah. So it was it was pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and you know we're running this thing as a, a board that is made up of um, I think right now we're at ten people, and so it's not a huge team. And everyone and everyone on the board is volunteers. No one is full time. No one's getting paid anything to do this work. So when you talk about that and you think about the, just the volume of work that we're having to do to put this thing on, it's just it's ungodly. It's unbelievable how much work we're putting in. It's a full-time job. Yeah. And so, beyond that, it's, you know, we would all do that. It's, it's, we love it. It's for, you know, the, the festival is like it's something bigger than all of us, and we would put the work in. But with the size, you know, it comes how much money we have to raise to put into the thing. Right. We start to break it down. You know, we're putting like ten times as much into the infrastructure of the festival as we're actually getting to pay the artists. Yeah, and that for me was a huge point that we brought up in the last conversation that we had about it um, before, you know, calling it for the year. It's like it got to the point where the infrastructure outweighed the value that we were actually able to give back to musician mm-hmm. and to art artists. Um, and when it got to that point, you know, for me that was that was the point where it was just we had to kind of reconsider um, how we were doing things and how we can also take a turn and still support the arts. Um, but doing it in a different way that's better for our livelihood and then also a way that we can actually support it in a different way. Um, huh. And beyond that, I know this is a long-winded answer, but... No, this is um, great. This is great. <laughs> good. Um, and so beyond that, you know, Franklinton, so our venue that we've been in for the last uh, four years, I believe, um, it's, it's seen a lot of change, too. When we first went in there, um, we went in there with the idea of showcasing a lot of the cool things that were happening in the area, um, 
there was 400 was there, 400 uh, plus rich um, was there, and so we wanted to show kind of the art that was happening and being created in that area. We wanted to showcase um, some of the musicians that lived in that area and really just bring a light to it. Um, and we did that. And we, we did it again the next year. And then before you know it, people catch on, and things start to happen in that neighborhood. Um, for better or worse, there's, there's a lot of change that's happening there. Yeah. Uh, to the point where our last year there, we actually got pushed out of <laughs> Franklinton. Um, and we had to move to a park that was a little less uh, fitting for the festival. Right. And so, so on top of all of that, um, we got pushed out of the location we were in, and there wasn't a next natural fit for us. Yeah. So with all those things together and many more things added in, it was just a good time for us and being the 10th year sure. to step away and just kind of regroup. And to be honest with you, you know, we still have a board. We're still a nonprofit. We still have some money in the tank. Um, and it's, it's, we meet still um, every other month and just talk about some options and ideas for where we want to go next. And we're right now we're um, supporting a lot of other festivals, smaller things that are starting up. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just some seeds that we're planting and helping get started. And we're doing consulting for festivals. Um, and a lot of us on the board are active in many other ways. Um, so right now we're just kind of sitting back and taking it easy and just kind of observing and not rushing into the next opportunity. But but there will be more from Independence Day for sure. Cool. Very cool. L- let's talk yeah. about. Let's go into the wild path then. Um, and, and maybe work that into how the celebration at the station. I don't know how involved you guys had to be with that, but tell me a little bit about your project with the Wild Path and then maybe work in uh, this Hilliard event that you guys hired us for. Yeah, for sure. So the Wild Path um, is a business that my wife and I tested, uh, started, started this about four years ago now, um, and it came out of basically our are just craving for adventure. Um, we started it as an Instagram handle, actually. It was pretty basic when we started, and we just wanted to capture some of our adventures that we were taking as a newly married couple. Um, and it just it started that simply. And then out of that, it grew into just kind of a uh, extension of our passions. And so between the two of us, we're both very invested in music and community and marketing. Um, and so we started doing... A lot of different events. Um, we put on little shows here and there. Um, we got into weddings. We've been doing weddings for a long time because we love the community that it brings together. And then we also DJ for those too. So it's we get to bring the music aspect in as well, which is sure. a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so then we got into, we've been booking music uh, for the past three, four years now as well. So we do that for a number of different events around the city. Um, we partnered with C1025 a lot. Um, and helping them out with some booking. And then so with Celebration at the Station, which is the event that we do uh, in downtown Hilliard, that's an event that is now in its second year where they're just trying to bring some new energy into their downtown area. And they came to us with, you know, wanting to just embrace what we do. Um, And they've seen the passion that we put into the work that we do, and they wanted to just bring that into their downtown space and really just bring it a new life um, and just kind of book some people that are a little bit outside of their normal bubble, but also, you know, still cater to the people that normally come there. And they just felt that we were able to embrace that. And most of the reason for that, too, is that we actually live in Hilliard. So we're kind of unconventional in our space in a way because we don't live downtown. Um, We live in the suburbs. We live in Hilliard. Mm -hmm. So with that being our hometown, 
you know, it was, it was a really nice natural fit for us, and it's exciting for us to be able to plug in what we do into our community there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you're busy. So I've got a few more questions that are sort yeah. not non sequiturs into these questions that I sent you. <laughs> so I have to ask you about this as a guy who books bands and something that happened to us on Saturday. This has never happened before to me. We show up to a gig, crazy rainstorm. I've already told the audience about this, so I don't need to tell the whole story. But we load everything in, power goes out, and they they decide they're not going to get the power back on and they close the bar similar. And this is not like a manager at the bar that hires the bands. They outsource who hires and he's like out of the country. So I can't get a hold of this guy. (laughs) Nobody knows what they're supposed to do with the band. What do you just out of curiosity, what do you think ends up happening in this situation? Cause I'm in the band and I still don't know. I still don't know how this is going to end up. Wow. Okay. I thought it was a quiz. I thought maybe you had an answer, but I was curious. That's that's very interesting. So, I mean, I can definitely relate to this because we do have a couple of series that Tessa and I book for that we're not on site. Um, you know, we are kind of that outside mm-hmm. resource for the for um, who we're working with. So the way that we typically handle that thing is we contract every event we do. Um, right. That's something that is just standard. That just so you don't get in a situation like that. It's, sure. It's, we put the expectations out there up front. Um, and that just comes from doing this for a long time, you know, like, I mean, you, you know, I'm sure that you can't predict, but you don't know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so in there, there's a clause that, that definitely relates to this kind of thing. Um, and it, it definitely breaks down between, it's different between, um, who the client is and how they want to handle their resources. Of course. Right. But what we normally recommend doing is... If you have an event and it gets canceled for whatever reason, say it rains or the power goes out, um, any of those things in the same bucket, then the band, if they show up, is different than if they don't come. So if you right. cancel the event um, the day of, then they're still going to get paid because they saved the date, right? Yeah. So they've already booked that time off. So that we usually say about 25 to 30% is, yeah. is what we like to try and pay at that point. Mm-hmm. If they show up, like you guys did, yep. you load in and you're ready to play. You have all intentions to perform and the power goes out. Again, something that's outside everyone else's yeah. control. Then at that point, you know, we start to think, okay, let's talk about 40 to 50% yeah. paying them for being there. And then what I would encourage at that point too is like, and let's get these guys like a round of drinks, you know, and like yeah. make it worth their time. But it's, it's definitely dependent on the client and how they want to handle their budget. But, I would never work with someone who would not want to give some kind of compensation for a cancellation that's outside of control. Yeah. Yep. I kind of, I, we were kind of thinking along the same, same lines and what always comes up for us, we play a lot more bars than we do festivals. And, and a lot of times people will just say, well, why don't you just do a contract? And a lot of these bar owners do not have an interest in going through the headache of, writing a contract for every single band. So I understand their perspective too, but obviously for the events you guys are doing, you got to put something like that together. Cause I've had, I, when I said this has never happened before, I meant at a bar, I've had multiple cancellations for outdoor events. So you, you know, you got to prepare for that. For Um, sure. For sure. You know, I would encourage too, from the band side, um, we work with a lot of people too, that, that come at us with a contract. And yeah. so then it's, that's an interesting space to be in, too, because, you know, as the production company, 
then we have to negotiate the contract because sometimes there's terms in there that um, don't match up with what we can provide or whatever it might be. But for the band, I think it's really smart because you can set the terms at that point. So yeah. you come out to say, we expect to have a meal provided. We expect to have this much paid if it gets rained out. And then from there, as a production company, we have to come back and say, well, we can't provide meals, but maybe we can provide drinks. Sure. Or, you know, we can't provide 75% for a rain cancellation, but how about 50 Right. And so then you take control of the negotiation versus if you don't come out with the contract at all. Right. And no one sets those standards. Yep. 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 Good point. Um, so let's talk about, you, you kind of touched on this a little bit with the Independence Day Festival, but... Yeah, I think a lot of it, I guess I can't speak for everyone who's in a cover band, but honestly, at least half our band is playing in a cover band because they sort of see it as the only way they can make music and and make money doing it. Uh, a, a lot of bars or places we can get our foot in the door don't want to hear originals, and they don't. If they do, they don't want to pay for them. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think in in this day and age in Columbus, a band? can make a living just doing originals in Columbus and playing at the bar or do they have to, you know, expand to, you know, other avenues, um, yeah. whether musical or otherwise. So what I will say to open this up is, is it is hard and it's definitely different for everyone. Um, there's in this day and age, music is not just as simple as you make music that resonates with people tour on it, you make money, you know, you become a rock star, and that's it. Mm-hmm. It's not It's not like that. And anyone at any level has their challenges with, with the music industry currently. It's just, it, it's very different than it used to be. Um, but I think, I like to look at that as there's a lot of opportunity. Um, it's, it's a cool space to be in right now because you can do a lot of challenge things. So, so my answer to that question is, again, a pretty long-winded a little bit. Um, I, so, if you want to be in Columbus making your own music and being successful, and, and being successful, I mean making a living, making a decent living off of mm-hmm. it, you have to do a couple of things. And, and the main one is you need to get your music licensed. Um, you need to work with a licensing company, which is definitely a weakness that we do have here in Columbus. Um, that's definitely a noted weakness. But you need to work with a licensing company to get your music licensed, and that's where you're going to start making some real money that's some passive income. Mm-hmm. So you'll get your, your music on um, TV shows and movies and things like that, and there are some great bands here in Columbus that are doing that, and that's, that's where they're making a good amount of their supporting money. Yeah. So if you've got good music and you've got good recordings, then you can start to get them licensed, and that's, that's a really good way to kind of get that kick-started. And honestly, once you start to get things licensed, it's kind of a cannonball where it continues to happen. You get started to, or you start to get put in these... Uh, the music manager's Rolodex, they'll, they call it up more and more. And if you have a sound, a song, a sound that resonates, um, it, it's going to happen more and more and more. Right. So again, that's something that is, it can be a little bit of luck at the draw, um, but that's, that's definitely a good way to start making money. Cool. Now, one way you're talking about, too, you know, so performing, um, that, that's where it gets a little bit more tricky. And so what I usually recommend to people is they want to try to make a living performing right out of the gate and, so they maybe want to get a license thing down the road, but that is a thing that takes a little bit more time. Performing, I do think that you do have to do some covers. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think you have to either join a cover band or take some patio gigs for your playing. But if you break it down, you know, and you do, I know some guys that do like 
three to four happy hour gigs a week for you know, 200, 300 bucks. Right. Up, you know, it's pretty quick. You're going to make, you're going to make a living. Like Ex- it's not anything to like get crazy excited about, but like you're going to make enough to like be a professional musician at that point. And you start to add in some licensing uh, and you're going to, before too long, you'll start to build something up that's sustainable. Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, yeah, I love the long-winded answers. No more, no more apologizing for that. Believe me, if it were, if the roles were reversed, you'd be hearing a lot of the same from me. Yeah, <laughs> you're getting me. You're getting me with all my the things I'm passionate about. So. Good, <laughs> good. You sent the questions over, and I got excited. So. Good. good. Well, these <laughs> these last two are probably quicker. Uh, I just, okay. I, just for people who maybe aren't familiar, do you have a favorite local band in the area? And not putting anybody else down, but do you have a favorite band in the area that people need to check out? So, not band per se, but favorite uh, musician right now, I would say. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a guy named Sarab. Um, he's he's just fantastic. He's all around one of the most talented people I think we have in our city right now. Um, and he honestly just got his start. Uh, I mean, he's been making music for a long time, but he kind of got on the radar of a lot of people just a couple of years ago, or a year ago. Um, we booked him for an event that we do in the short north that we actually throw a concert in a soup shop um, during gallery hops, which is another whole other thing but that's mm-hmm, yeah. a lot of fun and uh we booked him for that last year and at that point you know he was he's pretty up and coming and now this year he's closing out um one of the main stages at Comfest on friday night and so it's just he he kind of blew up overnight um you know over the last year and he's an r&b artist but he can also do um hip-hop and he has a very unique style to him and he's just and beyond that, he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. Um, and so I really respect him for that. And the way that he goes about his business is just, it's very respectable. And I think he's, he's got a lot of potential and I keep my eye on him. Cool. cool. Did you say Sir Rob, like S-I-R? So sometimes people say that. It's actually Sir Rob. So it's spelled S-A-R-O-B. Yeah. That's all one word. See, that's why I check. Right. We got to get people yeah. looking for the right guy. <laughs> yes, if you talk to him, you call him Sir Rob, he'll answer to that. Yeah. But yeah, S-A-R-O-B. Cool. Check him out. He's on Spotify, and he's got a pretty simple line on there. If you search him, you'll find him pretty quick. Cool, cool. And and on a more self-serving note to end things, we're, we're a 90s cover band, so I have to ask if you have, or if you can come up with a favorite album from the 90s. And I promised no follow-up, no challenges. I just want to hear what you have to say. Man, you know what? It's pretty ridiculous. That was the one question that I didn't prepare for. That <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming because I know I know you asked this question and I didn't prepare for it. So off the top of my head, I would have to say, "Okay, computer, Radiohead." Oh yeah, I know that's that's later in the nineties. Yeah, but, but that definitely, I think that's a that's a defining album. And for sure. I don't think they've done anything like that since, and that's, I know there's a lot of people out there that would probably call me out on that but i think that that was a very defining album and it, it uh you know it just it, it really inspired a lot of music to come after yeah definitely hey i'll let you go i kept you on longer than i said i would but i well, this I, has been fun good been good i really appreciate you doing this for us yeah will we see you Absolutely. out on thursday I appreciate you. yes sir we'll be cool. there all right sounds good looking forward to it Awesome. Thank you. Me too. Thanks a lot, Derek. All right. I'll we'll see you. Bye bye. Yeah. 
All right, and before we finish out the rest of the episode, I'm going to put in a quick word for Mercury Mile. If you've listened to the first two episodes, you know about Mercury Mile. If you're not a fool, you've already gone on and filled out a profile and maybe even scheduled your first box. But if maybe this is your first time listening, or maybe you are a little bit of a fool and you just need like one more push into smartness, if that's a thing, what you need to do is log on to mercurymile.com and fill out a profile. They will assign you a stylist. You'll get sent some awesome running apparel. You'll get to check it out in your in the comfort of your own home. Return back what you don't like. Keep what you love. You only pay for what you keep, obviously. It's great stuff. Check it out. If you're into running or athletics or staying in shape, as we all should be, check out Mercury Mile. Definitely worth your time. If you use the promo code GETWET, G-E-T-W-E-T, at checkout, you'll get $10 off your stylist fee. Oh my gosh, Derek was a great guest. <laughs> I, um, he really did a great job not having hardly any prep time, uh, and, I, and I only sent him his prep questions the night before, which was my phone. <laughs> uh, unprofessional on my part, but he performed like a professional, which I suppose I expected nothing less from the music director of the Independence Day Festival. We, di- we didn't have time. Like I kept mentioning he was busy. I know he had other things going on. I didn't even get to talk to him about uh, the Columbus Songwriters Association that he's involved with. Um, but we got to talk about the Wild Path and the Hilliard uh, celebration at the station coming up. So I'm glad we got to talk about all that. And he actually gave me more time than I thought he would. So that was great. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. We're going to close the episode with a new little bit since we're not reviewing an album today. This bit, it's an experimental bit that, like I mentioned earlier, it may fall flat on its face. Presentation might not be great today, but you'll get the gist of it. We're going to call this same song or not the same song. Now, as I'm thinking about it, maybe it's more accurate to call it ripoff or not a ripoff or something like that. But here's how the premise goes. I'm sure a lot of you are the same as you. If, if you have a, a large catalog of songs that you're familiar with, you eventually find that a lot of them sound very, very, very similar. Now, and I'm not just talking about, you, you know, how I've brought up before, you know, if you're old enough, <laughs> sorry, parents and grandparents out there, but, you know, it, it's it's a classic sort of knock on bands or whatever. All their songs sound the same. I'm not, I'm not getting that. I mean, literally, the tempos, the riffs, they sound the same the, if, if you catch a couple of songs. There are, some, there are some classics uh, that, that, that people are aware of. The, the most recent one that was kind of in the news that I can think of, and I wish I could remember, the, and, and I didn't look it up, but uh, Led Zeppelin was recently in a dispute about, uh, th- about Stairway to Heaven being ripped off from this other more instrumental type piece. And if you heard it, like I can see it, but they're not exactly the same. In this case... I would call Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven not the same. (laughs) It is not the same song as that other song. A a better example that I actually know both songs, Huey Lewis and the News, uh, I Want a New Drug, and the Ghostbusters theme song, surprisingly similar. Again, they're different enough, I think we can mostly agree, that 
both of those songs, I, I'm not sure which, uh, the Ghostbusters came second. I think we would all agree that those are both not the same song. Well, just to prove that I'm not biased here, in the first time we try this, I'm going to put my own favorite band's feet to the fire, and I'm picking an Alice in Chains song. I'm going to play the first 10 seconds of a song off their second full-length album called Dirt. This is a song called Hate to Feel. Here's the first 10 seconds. Now, I'll let, I'll let you all play along here a little bit and think about that. Maybe pause for a second. Think about a classic 70s song that maybe sounds a lot like that. I'm going to pause or you pause, whichever. I'm going to give it about three seconds. All right. There is a song by Led Zeppelin called Dazed and Confused, which sounds an awful lot like that. Here's the main riff I'm talking about. So how do we determine whether Alice in Chains, who came second, stole that song and basically rewrote Dazed and Confused and just wrote different lyrics and called it a different song. Well, I posed it to two people and didn't tell them what I was doing. I, I, I sent this the 10-second clip of Hate to Feel that you all just heard. I sent that to my dad, who is a Led Zeppelin fan, so he'd be aware of Dazed and Confused. And I sent it to our drummer, Sam, who also loves Dazed, Confu- Dazed and, or, I'm sorry, loves Led Zeppelin. So you've got two different generations there, my dad being older, much older than Sam. So I've got the guy who would know Led Zeppelin really well, and that's not a knock on Sam, but my dad grew up with Led Zeppelin, so... You know, we've got my dad in one corner who definitely knows Led Zeppelin, but probably doesn't know Alice in Chains as well. And then you have Sam in the other corner who's much more aware of the Alice in Chains catalog. So I thought this was kind of a fair way to to judge. And lo and behold, would you believe both of them came back? And this was just through text message. Both of them came back and both of them said dazed and confused with without much hesitation at all. So there you go. Now, does that mean I think that Hate to Feel is, is the same song as Dazed and Confused? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that... I, I really want to hear your thoughts on this. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com slash wetbanditsband. Twitter, the handle is wetbanditsband. And Instagram, handles wetbanditsband. I, I really want to hear everyone's thoughts on this and definitely throw out your suggestions that we can test on other people. But the riff is definitely, definitely the same song. If we were just basing this on the riff, I would have to say same song. Now, if you listen to all of Hate to Feel, it changes quite a bit. And, you know, the lyrics are the melody lines are totally different. It's not the same song, but if we're just basing it on the riff, pretty much the same song. Lane Staley actually wrote Hate to Feel for Alice in Chains, and he is not the primary songwriter, and if you've ever seen him play guitar, like I know it's not good to speak ill of the dead, but he's not 
not a good guitar player. And I think I brought this up in episode one, but it maybe bears repeating. That's how bad it was. So, um, with that, that's going to be it, the end for today. I already hit up the social media handles, but I'll do it one more time for good measure. Wetbanditsband.com is the website. Facebook.com slash wetbanditsband. Twitter, Instagram handle, wetbanditsband. Hopefully we'll get these on track. We won't be scooting too many episodes back uh, here in the future, and we'll get this rolling on a, on a tighter schedule. But for now... The real episode three, depending on how you look at it, will be next Tuesday with Brad Newcamp from uh, Coldwater Community. We'll see you then. Get wet.